0: Good morning, everyone. I'm Greg Brady. I'm the pastor here. I'm so glad that you're here to worship together. If you're online, thank you for worshiping online this morning. Uh, If I have not met you, I'd love to to meet you after the worship service, by the way. Uh, So please come and and find me. And I invite you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 6. We've been looking at the Lord's Prayer and looking at the different phrases um, of them. And one of the things that we've noticed is that there's a progression. Jesus doesn't just pick a handful of really important things to pray for and stick them together in this prayer, but there's a a natural progression to Jesus' thoughts in what he lifts up to the Father, and he teaches that to us. And we're going to talk about how the phrase that we're going to look at today forgive us our debts, um, follows quite naturally from give us this day our daily bread. So let's, let's look at our reading, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. we noted that Jesus didn't teach us to pray, give me my daily bread, um, but to give us our daily bread. It's a communal prayer, focusing on the community, the needs of the community. Jesus follows that up with, now, let's talk about forgiveness. Apparently, Jesus finds forgiveness to be very important with the community, and I want to help bring an important thing about that out today. But I want to I notice... Um, that after Jesus ends this teaching on prayer, or at the end of his teaching on prayer, he brings up this almost seems like an add-on statement about forgiveness. Um, He he finishes the prayer itself, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he brings up forgiveness again, doesn't he? Uh, He could have included a different add-on ending to the prayer. Jesus could have said something like this. Let me tell you, you must keep God's name holy. Always keep God's name holy. He could have put that add-on. That that kind of would have made sense. Kind of bookend the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name, and don't forget everyone. Keep the Lord's name holy. Or he could have given an add-on like this. Uh, I tell you, folks, seek God's kingdom above all else. That's really important. He could have ended with that. Instead... He says, if you do not forgive people their sins, God will not forgive your sins. Okay, Jesus doesn't say that about other actions, does he? He doesn't say things like, all right, everyone, be kind to others or else God will not be kind to you. Uh, Jesus doesn't say, and folks, if you are not generous to others, God will not be generous to you. Jesus uh, does not say and you better help each other out or else God will not help you out. He doesn't say those things because Christianity is not a religion of reciprocity. Um you know that reciprocity thought like I better do this for you in order to get you to do the same thing back to me. Christianity is is not about that. We don't say oh you need to do this for God so that God will do that in return for you. That is not Christianity. We know that Christianity is about grace. It's about receiving things that you don't deserve. But Jesus says this about forgiveness. If you don't forgive others their sins, God will not forgive you your sins. By the way, note to self, um, your forgiveness. And you forgiving others is really, really important. And you have to think, why, why is that? Why is, why is... I mean, we know why our forgiveness is important, or it's easier to think about that. It's easy, it's easy to think, boy, it's really important that God forgives my sins. If God did not forgive me of my sins, then I would stand before God guilty of my sins. He would, he would see me as guilty, and then I'd be at risk of the, the Bible... Mentions this eternal punishment. Um, distance from God, away from God's presence in hell. I'd be at risk of that if God didn't forgive my sins. It's easy to think about why us forgive, uh, God forgiving our sins is important. Why is it so important that we forgive one another our sins? Sins that were committed against us. Um, you know, and... <laughs> Think about just kind of the shocking statement that Jesus gives. If you don't do this, God won't do this for you. Could it be that Jesus is uh, just stressing the importance of showing forgiveness because he knows it's important to um, our own emotional and, and mental health, and he's just, just trying to shock us into doing something that he knows is good for us, forgiving others, releasing anger. We know that if we hold on to anger, if we don't forgive, we know that does not do us good, right? And we just know that. And we know that holding grudges does not help your heart to be happier or more joyful. We know that. We know that Holding grudges does not lower your blood pressure. You don't hold grudges to help that bad stomach ulcer of yours to heal, right? Um, When we refuse to forgive and hold on to grudges, we know it just tears us up on the inside. So maybe Jesus is just trying to shock us into forgiving. But it doesn't really mean, unless we forgive, God won't forgive. You know, parents, on occasion... Um, have been known to say some rash statements or give some rash threats, like you know, your kids are fighting in the back seat, you're driving, don't make me come back there, like you're going to let go of the wheel and hop over the seats and do whatever you have in mind to do with your kids. I mean, like, this rash threat, or if you hit your brother again, I promise you, you will wish you were never born. You know, these little statements that we these rash threats. Maybe Jesus is just this rash threat. Come on, guys. You need to forgive one another because if you don't, it's going to tear you up inside. You know, that doesn't sound like Jesus, right? It doesn't sound like Jesus just gives these rash threats. Jesus doesn't say these silly little threats without there being some truth behind it. So by the end of the sermon, I hope, that we, I hope we'll see why Jesus says, if you don't forgive others of their sins, God will not forgive you of your sins. Um, Why is forgiveness important? I'll give you my thesis up front here. You can start filling in some blanks on your note sheet if you would like to. Unforgiveness is incompatible with God's world of grace. This is why it's so important for us to forgive. Because not to forgive. Unforgiveness. It's incompatible with God's world of grace. It runs against the flow of the world as God has created it to be. And that is a world full of grace. When I was a kid, um, I spent a lot of time with my grandpa fishing in his boat in the, the bay waters off of the Gulf of Mexico. And one of my favorite phrases as a 6- or 7-year-old boy was fishing the boat because we take the fish off the hook and, you know, it land on the the whole of the boat, and it would just be flopping around, hopping around. And I thought that was so funny. We'd, I'd say, fish in the boat. Um, it'd just be bouncing around on the bottom of the boat, kind of like a kid on a trampoline with one big difference. Kids were built for trampolines with legs to go springing about. I mean, they were designed for trampolines and to jump on trampolines. Fish were not designed to be in the bottom of the boat, but there they were just flopping around on the bottom of the boat. See, fish were not made to live outside water. That fish, bouncing and leaping, was not having fun. It wasn't like being on a trampoline. It was dying because it was not living the way that it was designed to live, being able to swim about in the water, bringing water through its gills so that it could draw forth oxygen from it. And when we live in this world that God designed to be full of grace, when we live in this world opposite of that, when we hold on to anger and grudges, when we refuse to let go these sins that others have committed against us, um... When we recall those wrongs done to us over and over again in our minds, and grow self-righteous, and 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 and, and we feel that, um, you know, we're better than everyone else. It's like we're dying. It's like we're dying. We're doing stuff. We're responding in ways that goes against the grain of how God has designed this world. We are not being the people that God has designed us to be. And you are not being the person that God has designed you to be when you hang on to anger and don't forgive. See, God's way is a way of reconciliation. God has been reconciling this world from the very beginning. It's it's how this world is designed. Um, God has been doing this all along. Remember in the garden with with Adam and Eve, and and they sinned against God. They, They rebelled against God. God had to expel them from the garden. That's what we often remember from that story is God expelling them from the Garden of Eden, but he was also showing them acts of reconciliation. He provided clothes for them, gave them a little protection. He even gave them the promise that he would one day triumph over that serpent that had gotten them in that mess in the first place. These little acts of reconciliation. God has been showing acts of reconciliation along the way. You know, the Israelites, they're wandering through the desert. Some, some centuries later after that, the Israelites are wandering through um, the, the desert, and they're just bitterly complaining against God, complaining about water and food, which God was providing for them. Um, and God sent poisonous snakes as, 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 as a way to bring punishment to his people for their complete lack of faith and heart. But God was reconciling as well at that moment and told Moses, what you do is fashion this, this metal snake and put it on a pole, lift it up high. So when people look at the snake, they will be healed. And God's bringing about these acts of reconciliation. See, God wanted them to know that he always has the last word, and his last word is, I want to reconcile. God's last word is, when you look to me, look at that poll. When you look to me, when you call upon me, I will reconcile. I will be gracious and compassionate, and I will reconcile with you. Um, you know, God built in this sacrificial system for the Israelites where they had to, to sacrifice an animal um, to atone for their sins. The Israelites were seeking their own way instead of trusting in God's way. And God said, When you sin against me, you make this sacrifice as a sign something has to pay for that sin your sins really matter god was showing the israelites so, so the israelites something had to pay it cost this creature its life your sin did but god's final word is reconciliation i will reconcile with you when you look to me and of course those animal sacrifices they were just signs they weren't the end all be all they were pointing to something else the writer of hebrews puts it really plainly that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. In other words, those animals, they were just pointing to a, a further sacrifice that God would make to reconcile with his people. They were a sign of the one whose blood really could take away their sins. When John the Baptist saw Jesus of Nazareth, on the banks of the Jordan, coming to be baptized. He prophetically spoke these these beautiful words revealing God's ultimate intent to reconcile and to show grace. And John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, Behold, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, God is always reconciling. That is always God's movement. And this is why forgiveness is so important, because... Forgiveness is the action that reveals this beautiful core virtue of grace that God has built into this world. When you forgive someone else, it is at that moment that you are perhaps most like God. And and this this ability for us to be able to point to God's reconciliation. In that moment when you have a friend that has harmed you, or maybe an enemy that has harmed you, and you just want to hang on to that anger, you actually have a moment, it's actually a moment where you can point to God's reconciliation, and use that as a holy moment to point someone back to God. and And perhaps... That privilege that God has given you is put um, nowhere more eloquently than uh, the Apostle Paul puts it in, this, in, the, in his second letter to the Corinthians. Let me read this from chapter 5. I'm going to put a few scriptures in bold near the end of this uh, just beautiful passage, starting with uh, verse 14. Uh, For Christ's love compels us, "...because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but rather live for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here." All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. This ministry God gave to you he says, Now I want you to help reconcile others. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself and Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that's, that's our message to the world. Be reconciled to God. And God gives you an opportunity. Every time you have an opportunity to forgive and let go of anger, you have an opportunity to, to proclaim that message to the world, to whoever, whoever it is that, is that is committing the offense. Be reconciled to God. And as a sign of that, I'm going to let go of my anger, and I'm going to forgive. Now, there's three things that um, I want us to know about forgiveness this morning. One, forgiveness is fruit of a changed heart. Your heart indicates how open you are to God's ways coming into your life. You know, when you think about the Pharisees, whom Jesus attacked more than any other people during his time. Um, He didn't condemn the Pharisees because of their commitments to God's law. That's not why Jesus condemned the Pharisees. It wasn't because you're trying too hard to obey God. That is not Jesus' attack on the Pharisees. Rather, he condemned the Pharisees because they just weren't loving enough. Uh, And their lack of love indicated that their heart had not been changed. They weren't in this right relationship with God through which our hearts are changed. So you may remember the story of Jesus having dinner at the house of a Pharisee. The Pharisee's name was Simon. And um, an uninvited guest arrived at that dinner. It was a woman who was kind of notorious in her town for being a sinner. And she was overt in the love that she showed to Jesus. She, she wept over his feet. That's a lot of tears to wet his feet and took her hair and dried off his feet and would not stop kissing his feet and poured expensive perfume on his feet. I mean, pretty shocking behavior. But the interesting thing is Jesus isn't shocked at all by it. Um, and he pointed something out to Simon. He pointed out why Jesus wasn't shocked. And he said to Simon, you know, when I arrived to your house, you didn't offer me any of the customary acts of hospitality. You didn't, you didn't bring me water to wash my feet. You didn't wash my feet. Uh, you didn't provide oil for me to be anointed and refreshed. Um. You can give me a kiss, customary kiss when I came into your home. But this lady has not stopped showing these gestures of love and affection. And there's this silent question, this unasked question from Jesus. How do you make sense of all this, Simon? Why did you not offer any of that, and yet she cannot stop offering that to me? What do you think about that, Simon? And then Jesus answers his own question. He says this. Here's why. Her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And of course, his point wasn't that Simon the Pharisee didn't have very many many sins to be forgiven, Um, that he was a more holy person. That wasn't Jesus' point. Rather, his point was Simon didn't recognize all of his sins that needed to be forgiven by God. He had no sense of God's grace and mercy that was offered to him. Or his need for that. And his heart hadn't been changed. It's cold. But on the other hand, the woman knew all of her sins had been forgiven by Jesus. And it completely changed her heart. So your heart and how you you respond towards others always is an indication of your relationship with God. Right relationship with God will change your heart. And showing forgiveness, it'll be much more natural. It'd be like fruit. Forgiveness is fruit of a changed heart. It grows naturally. Unforgiveness will seem like the unnatural option. You have to force unforgiveness when you have a changed heart. And this is why Jesus can say in Matthew chapter 6, if you forgive others, God will forgive your sins. It's not saying that your forgiving others causes God to forgive you your sins. Rather, it's a statement to jolt us a little bit, to make you think about it. Jesus is pointing out that your forgiveness, your willingness to to provide forgiveness, that is an indicator of a changed heart. Your heart's been changed. And you've had your sins forgiven by God, and you know that. And you're walking rightly with God, and it's changed you. And so, if this morning, if you think, you know, I'm I'm not a very forgiving person. If this has been kind of an uncomfortable sermon, and you think, I hold on to anger. I feel that what that person did to me is just too much for me to just let go of it and forgive. Um... I think Jesus would have you think in your heart today, have have I really repented for my sins? Have I turned my sins over to Jesus? Have I accepted the forgiveness that Jesus offers when I repent? And that's possible this morning. First John chapter one, verse nine tells us if we confess our sins. God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You can do that this morning. And there are no exceptions to the sins that God will forgive. He forgives them all. And then through a changed heart, you'll be able to let go of anger when someone sins against you. And that really is the heart of forgiveness. It's letting go. moves us to our second point. Forgiveness requires letting go. Forgiveness means letting go of wanting harm or ill to come to the person who has wronged you. You're letting go of that desire for, for retribution to be done to them, for something bad to happen to them, for what they did to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6. It says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And if true forgiveness does come from a changed heart, a heart that's been changed by love, that is growing in love, that means that heart will be willing to let go of this desire for ill to happen to someone who has wronged you. Uh, Refusal to forgive ultimately is an action to remain in control over someone else. We use anger. We hold on to anger as a way of trying to remain in control of, of, of someone. Like, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay angry at you. Somehow we think that that's helping us control them. Letting go of, an anger, uh, of anger is an act of saying, I give up my control of what happens to this person who has hurt me. And this is the beautiful part of forgiveness because it then, then says, I'm releasing control over what I want to happen to you, and I'm giving you over to the grace and mercy of God. I'm, I'm releasing you, even though you've hurt me, into God's goodness and grace and mercy. That's why forgiveness is beautiful. You are like Jesus. Kind of when he prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. He's releasing the people who were killing him into the grace and the mercy of God. Three, forgiveness is a sign of God's rentless reconciliation. When you forgive someone else, you are shouting. Be reconciled to God. Life is about reconciling people to God. Christ has given us this ministry of reconciliation. Whenever you think about your identity, I want you to file that thought away and and, and that (laughs) in your File on self-understanding. You've been given this ministry of reconciliation. Jesus has said, I want you to reconcile people to me. Know that God builds up his church by bringing together people who are much different from one another and bringing them together in unity. And it's through our forgiveness of one another that helps hold us together in unity. God's reconciling us as a church so that we can be this this symbol of God reconciling the world to Himself through Jesus Christ. The testimony of the church is that just as God has made us one by bringing us together, though we are very different people, God has done the same thing between us and Him, very different creatures, us and God. God's ways are not our ways. We were once enemies of God, but God has taken us, his enemies, and he's brought us now close to him through Jesus Christ, dying on the cross. This is an act of God's grace. So let's walk through the Lord's Prayer. Let's see how these phrases connect one to another. And I want to reinforce this little memory device that we worked on last week. How do you remember what Jesus, you know, the things that Jesus is teaching us to focus on in prayer? Because your prayer life, you you certainly can pray the Lord's Prayer as Jesus put words to it. Or you can remember these different things that Jesus is calling to our minds and then put your own words to them. So here's this little memory device we're working on. I start the Lord's Prayer uh, by focusing on God's name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You Focus on God's name. Worshipping God's name is holy and set apart. And you think God's place. Well, focus on God's place. Where is God? He's sitting on the throne of his kingdom. He's reigning. He is, he's sovereign in his power. He can do anything he wishes. So God's name, God's place. And then we ask for God's gifts. Because God can do anything We ask for his gifts. Give us today our daily bread. Not give me today my daily bread, although you certainly can pray for your daily needs, but pray for the needs of the community. Because remember, God is building a community to be a witness of him reconciling the world to himself. So we pray for God's gifts to come to his community, and then God's grace. pray for God's grace. Forgive us our sins, God. We need your grace as we forgive the sins of others in our community, and we show your grace to them. God's name, God's place, God's gifts, God's grace. Corey Ten Boom, um, she's a very well-known Christian author and speaker. Uh, she died some years ago, but uh, she was a Dutch woman who, was confined to Jewish concentration camps, um, arrested when her family was uh, giving harbor to Jews in Holland. And she survived the camp, although her family did not. At one time, uh, at the end of one of her speaking engagements, um, shortly after the war ended, she was speaking in Germany on God's forgiving our sins. And one of her key lines, if you read a lot of Cory ten Boom, is that God takes our sins and he hurls them to the bottom of the deepest sea or the deepest ocean where they will never be seen again. And so she's giving this message to um, war-torn Germany and telling the audience, God takes all of our sins and puts them where he will never see them again. And a familiar face came up to her after her speech, and it was one of the Nazi guards who had dehumanized and humiliated the women at the Ravensbrück concentration camp. And Corey was there. He did not recognize Corey as one of the prisoners, but she clearly knew him. And all of the pain of the concentration camps and losing her sister Betsy, who died with her at that camp, um, came back to her in the moment. And this, this former guard came up to him, extended his hand to shake her hand, said, thank you, Fräulein, for that wonderful message of God's forgiveness. It is indeed true that God hurls our sins to the bottom of the sea and forgives us. And I have asked for God's forgiveness. I've become a Christian, but I wanted to know, will you forgive me as well? Will you forgive my sins as a Nazi guard? And she said that taking his hand was the hardest thing she's ever had to do. She said, God, I can't do this. All I can do is mechanically stick up my hand. You've got to supply the power. She stuck her hand out, shook his hand, and all of a sudden she felt the power of the Holy Spirit flow through her body, soften her heart. And she was able to shake his hand and say, Truly, brother, I forgive you with all my heart. It's like she was shouting, be reconciled to God. That's what we get to do. Life's not about us holding on to our anger. Life is about releasing anger so we can tell this world. And now God says, be reconciled. Because he's gracious and he's compassionate. Our willingness to forgive. Even those who are our enemies, who are different than we. That is our compelling witness of this God who is reconciling the world to himself. so This week, think of forgiving others. Think of letting go of anger. Think, this is my testimony that I have to offer when I let go. This is my testimony. This is the testimony of Hope Church. God has reconciled us to him through forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And so now let us go out and forgive as well. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you've forgiven us and, and, and that you do so graciously, that, that you do so willingly, that we don't have to beg you, that we don't have to prove ourselves to you. We don't have to uh, do anything to uh, amend for our misdeeds. You... Uh, you, do, you, you offer hope when there is none <laughs> through the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, as we get ready to worship you, as we get ready to take a communion meal together, we pray that you would soften our hearts, that we would, that we would feel your presence, that we would be able to let go of anger, that if there is anyone that is holding on to a grudge um, and that is tearing apart a relationship or tearing apart one per, a person's heart, I pray that this morning you bring freedom from that, that you bring freedom to love and to forgive through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen.